and welcome to Lewis in Space. This week, I'm talking to Chelsea, Dylan, and Brandon, who have all been on this podcast before, about Solo, a Star Wars story. And Dylan has some response to our Star Wars rankings from last week. Enjoy. Do you watch Westworld? No. Okay. Do you have any interest? I, like, thought right, about it. We haven't talked about Westworld at all. I've, we've only watched the first episode of the second season. Yeah. I oh. thought about it. I, here's the thing. I will no, be very nothing. honest and that, like, I really trust Emily Nussbaum with almost all of my TV watching choices. Yeah. Like, I, th- I think she's so smart. And what does she write for? New Yorker. Right. And I align I with her so much, and she really doesn't like Westworld. She yeah. also kept me off of... There's something else that she kept me off of. She has, like, a really good eye for, like, bullshit male-centric things Ooh. that I really trust. Um... And that's kind of like where she's pegged Westworld. I don't always agree with her. I don't think that's accurate, especially in the second season. No, I, I, sorry, male centric as in like created by men. Like she has like a thing for like spotting like. Well, yeah, because it's like about like raping robots. <laughs> At least the first season is, and then, but it's um, what's the woman? What's her name? Is Katie like, Newton. It's no, no, no. Like it's it's co-created by Jonathan Nolan and his wife. Isn't his wife? I don't know. Yeah. What's the other thing that she really? Co- oh, Handmaid's Tale. She doesn't like Handmaid's Tale. First season or second season? She watched. She she like was interested in the first season, and then she started watching the second season, and she said it confirmed all of her worst fears for the show, and she stopped watching. I agree with that. I started watching the second season, and I stopped. But in what way? What do you mean, worst fears? She just, she didn't write about it, she only tweeted about it, so she didn't really, like... Expand upon that? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's very... Well, the first season... <laughs> she might have talked about it more in the first season. Oh, they completely finished the book they in the first season? They completely finished it. They uh, left off right where it ends. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so the second season now is, like, very meandering and very much, like, torture porn. Yeah. Well, I think that... I think, I think she, like, how it treats women, like, how... It, like, the fine line between, like, portraying the things. I think that's what Emily Nussbaum gets at. Yeah. Huh. Well, they got their Emmy, so I'm sure they're happy. They don't really mm. care what direction it goes in next. I mean, I'm sure they I'm, do I'm care. I'm a little worried that... I'm a little... Con- uh, not worried. Confused why they didn't just make them a miniseries. You mean just I one season? Because it was so successful. Yeah. I mean, I think Handmaid's Tale, it's not just, like, the most successful thing that... Hulu's done, I think it's, like, the only thing that they've done that would get new subscribers. Yeah. Which is, like, for, regardless of which Netflix shows are the best ones, they've had several that are worthy of subscribing to Netflix alone. Yes. Yeah. And nobody's going to Hulu for the Mindy Project. No. Well, actually, I can imagine an audience. Well, that had, that had like, a loyal following. That was on something else, right? Wait, doesn't, yeah, don't they, they also do um, Billy Eichner's show? Yeah, but they canceled it. They canceled it. Which is, if I, Whoa. I don't subscribe to Hulu, but if I had, I would have kissed my subscription. Yeah. I use my sister's, but, but that happened, I was like, that's the only show that you like, that I liked, that you made. Yeah. Hmm. I can't, can't believe they canceled it. It must cost yeah. them $3 to make. That's weird. Well, I'm sure that nobody was watching it. Yes, I'm sure nobody was watching it, and that's why it got canceled, but... I love that show so much. Yeah. I've always wanted to watch it. It's so Didn't awesome. we try watching it and we didn't get into it? I've only ever seen clips. Mm. I find it so funny. Okay, so we're here to talk about a few things. Yeah. Um, what do you want to talk about first? Because we want to talk about Solo, which we've all seen right. yeah. um, a little bit. Uh, but you also, Dylan, said that you had 
a response to our rankings that you wanted to talk about? I really just want to defend Return of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, mm. We can start there, but before before we do that, um, can we just go around and not just say who you are, but uh, especially Dylan and Brandon remind us of your relationship to Star Wars, so we know that context. Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, well, and also, do you want to, like, we've both been on the podcast before. Like, yeah, I know people know who you are. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, I'm Dylan. <laughs> My friend, I talked about a Wind Waker was the last time I was on this podcast. Mm. Um, and my relationship to Star Wars, uh, I definitely saw them when I was younger. My brother was very into them, so they, I like was definitely exposed to them at a young age. And like I, child of the '90s, so I grew up with the prequels. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would not. I was not like they were not like my thing to a large extent. But I do really enjoy them, and I have seen all of them. I, I was saying I think I've seen all I've seen all of them at least once, which is not a thing to say. I've seen all of them. <laughs> I've seen most of them multiple times, except for Attack of the Clones, which I think I only saw in theaters and mm-hmm. never saw again. Yeah, I mean to be fair, Attack of the Clones, seeing it as a what were you, eleven, ten year old, yeah. is very different from. Yeah, I'm sure. It, yeah. I maybe I'll, is it is it easily accessible anyway? Uh, I have a Blu-ray yeah, that I would lend to you. Do you have a Blu-ray player? Can I put it in my laptop? No. Okay, then no. Okay, <laughs> okay then I guess you're never going to see Attack of the Clones again, then. Because <laughs> you have to buy them, right? That's yeah, the, the only way to watch They're them. not on streaming, although when Disney makes their streaming thing, I, I bet you will be there. Why is Rogue One on streaming, but, like, none of the... I don't know. I, I wonder if there's something... Because Last Jedi is coming to Netflix next month. Yeah, and I think Force Awakens was on Netflix for a small amount of time. Yeah, yeah that's so where too. I watched it. I think that there's something more easily licensable about the Disney ones than, like, somehow true. they don't have full streaming rights to the old ones somehow. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, Brandon. Hi, I'm Brandon. <laughs> we talked about... Known from such hits as Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons and um, uh, other Zelda. The other one, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, we talked about. Um, and some other things. Um, Star Wars. Well, I feel like I'm a new Star Wars fan because of Lewis's guidance. <laughs> and, um, yes, I, like, had really no relationship to the original trilogy to the extent of, like, really not having seen them really ever until very recently, slash I've seen parts of them to the degree that I feel like I've probably almost kind of seen them, but I just don't really remember because oh it was so God. long ago. Okay. Um, and that attitude can kind of give, give you information about my relationship to them. And then, <laughs> um, but, and then I saw the prequels, but they're terrible. And then, so I recently was like, okay, I'm going to get into it because of all the new f- fan mania. So I've now seen all the new ones, including Solo and Rogue One. Yeah. Great. I just want to point out that when I, when I was a kid, I loved the prequels. Like I had no... I wasn't tapped into a cultural conversation, and, like, I thought they were the fucking best. Like, I saw Phantom Menace, like, three times in the fetus. Yeah. I don't think I can say the same thing unequivocally, because I was so impressioned by uh, the opinions of my parents and, like, other other people. I think I... It would be lying to say I didn't enjoy them as kids. But it would also be lying to say that my opinion was not impacted by the pop culture response to them. But I also... I do also remember having moments of, like truly cringing during Attack of the Clones. Like, because there are a lot of cringy things in Attack of the Clones. We were making fun of the sand conversation. Yeah. Even as an 11-year-old, like, you can tell, like, those two people don't have any chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
I do remember, sorry, not to interrupt. I remember I saw Revenge of the Sith with my dad, and I remember he hated it. <laughs> and we walked out, and he gave me this whole, uh, this whole monologue, this whole diatribe about, like, it was specifically about the parallel between the Anakin Obi-Wan fight and the Yoda, uh... Palpatine. Palpatine fight, because he was like, he's like, Yoda's the most powerful, supposed to be the most powerful Jedi, so it doesn't make sense that he would lose to Palpatine, where, like, Anakin is also supposed to be the most powerful Jedi, so it doesn't make sense that he would lose to Obi-Wan. He's like, not, neither of those things make sense, therefore, like, there's no rules to this world, and it's, like, less interesting. Like, I can't track the rules. That's a good point. Rules? Oh, okay, but being able to track the rules in Star Wars is one of my biggest pet peeves this as a This is fan. a major thing for me. Yeah. I'm here too. Chelsea's here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the idea that, um, to me, Star Wars doesn't work the same way that, like, Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings works, where there's, like, a history and a rule set to the magic and to the, like, races and, and the history of the world and all that stuff. Like, Star Wars thrives it, it actually is, like, the most magical thing about it is its mystery and how the the time before the Clone Wars was not known, like, the true nature of the Force is not known, the true nature of the Jedi and the Sith are just, like, man-made constructions that we truly don't really know, which is, I think, is uh, one of the, off, the most uh, criticized things about the prequels is the introduction of the midichlorians, and I have come around on them in a way that... Uh, I think that it more and more I'm coming to the position that it was intentional of George Lucas to say that the Jedi Order, back when it was based on rules and based on hierarchy, they believed that it was your biology that made you Force-sensitive, when in the end of the day, the rules don't work like that, and just because Anakin and Yoda have the highest midichlorian count doesn't mean that they're the most powerful Jedi in the world. I remember world. that, yeah. Um, and I, yeah. When you explain that, thinking to me of, like, it's, it's human error. yeah. That I really liked it, actually. That made a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense but, to me, but I don't think that's what George Lucas was doing. I, I think know. there's a chance that there is. I mean, like... It the, might be. The, the, I mean, the, the, it's definitely clear now that we have all three movies that George Lucas was criticizing the Jedi Order. I yes. think his story would be the Jedi Order fell due to hubris. And I think that the midichlorians are a sign of hubris, of saying, we can measure the Force, and we know better than you who is going to be special. Um, I really like that, but I also want the Force to have more rules. Me personally. I just, just because it doesn't make sense if you can fly and you can jump and you can push things away, like, just be consistent is what I want. Like, so many fights would go different ways and things would be solved so much more easily if every Jedi or uh, Sith had the powers that they have in the prequels. Yeah, well, I think the prequels screwed it up. That's fair. I, I don't want more rules to the Force. I just want more... I, I don't... I, hmm. I don't want more rules to the Force. I just want to know more history. I'm, like, a mm-hmm. history nerd. So that's what was so exciting about Last Jedi, is to, like, like these are the books. And I was like, oh, yes. And I loved when they burned, because I was like, yeah, fuck the history. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, part of me is, like, I just want, like... I want pre-prequel. Like, I want to see the found... I want, I want to see movies about the founding of the yes. Jedi Order. Yeah. Like, that's what's most interesting to me. I lo- Me too. Like, the, the, the idea that Ryan Johnson's trilogy is about going to an unexplored world and time in the galaxy, to me, is like, oh, and, and this planet and this side of the galaxy, the Force is an evil thing that scares people, and, like, they actually think it's some sort of, like, Infinity Stone type thing that, like, brings people back from the dead, but it's not that, you know? Like, they just have... They have a different name for it. Like, it's just... This thing 
that is uncontrollable and unknowable, and so a different civilization on the different side of the world would have a completely different relationship to it, I think is cool. I think the storytelling potential there is really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so anyway, that's Star Wars. (laughs) Um, So let's talk about Solo. Um, I think, I'm just going to say up front, I think we all didn't like it. No, Brennan liked it. I thought it was fine. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Okay. Do you want to talk about why? Sure. I feel like it was very entertaining. I think that yeah, I think it's on a base base level. I was it was a good time. You know, I think the in the very beginning, I was very skeptical, especially to the writing. I think the writing's pretty awful. Mm-hmm. Um throughout, but especially in the beginning. Um to like where I felt like we were laughing a lot, being like, yeah. "What? Like they actually are saying that?" I think I'm kind of contagious, especially to writing that is like, "And now I'm gonna like tell you exactly what's going on." Like similar to, um, we didn't talk about but like with Westworld, like the episode that just happened did a lot of that and it pissed me off like crazy. Um, <laughs> you mean well, like overly expository? Overly writing? expository, especially in worlds where, and this is kind of connected to that idea of the force and stuff. In worlds where we're used to things just happening and we like catch up. Yeah. I felt like Solo was just like telling us things constantly and I'm just like, yo, I'm here. It's like, I'm watching. I mean, the most cringeworthy moment of the entire movie is like, what's your name, kid? Right? Like that moment is terrible. Yeah, hot. I kind of like that I like that moment. Oh, I hated that moment. I was like... I felt like the first half hour was like old school Star Wars. Yeah, me too. Oh, this is Where so it is bad writing. Yeah. Like, it, quote unquote, bad writing. Like, it's cheesy and it's like but it's still kind of like full of heart and like I love seeing Han and Kira as like teenagers in love and they're like with these orphans and there's a car chase and then you know he sees this guy and he's like I'm alone. Yeah. I don't know I liked it. I liked it too. Hmm. Well, But I think that's kind of raises an interesting point about like old school new school because like like similar kind of we were saying like I thought Last Jedi was fucking amazing mm-hmm. and so but like the feeling of that movie is this like epic stakes life or death like feeling like war terrorism movie is like kind of how you feel mm-hmm. in that but like, like amazingly made and has had the kind of a humor that like they're playing with I feel like in the trilogy now but which this didn't have this kind of was a very old heart driven mm-hmm. writing it didn't have any of that like cheeky humor mm-hmm. which I was actually expecting, like, I actually think the marketing for this movie was totally, like, not at all the tone of the movie. Mm. I think part of that might be to do with the director change, and I, like, now, over the weekend, read a lot about that process, because I'm just, like, interested in the idea that, like, you can just have to do a movie all over again, or, like, (laughs) 30% of that movie, like, was shot by another person. It's, like, crazy to me. Yeah. Um, And I was, like, trying to, like, pick out, like... Because some parts of it I thought were, like, shot really creatively. And, like, there's a couple, like, really close-up action sequences where, like, people were, like, tumbling and the camera, like, was, like, going with them. And it was a lot of fun. There was a really good shot of Lando running for L3's body yeah. on Maybe Castle. that's what yes. it was. Which was. And it was, like, swooping. Yeah, I was like, what is this movie? And I, like, <laughs> that's, like, and I'm, like, I don't know. Was that Ron Howard or the other two? And I, yeah. like, maybe that was the other two. But, um... And I thought, like, the train sequence towards the beginning was the coolest, like, sequence in the whole movie. Um, like, 
fucking Tandy Newton died. Like, I'm so angry that she died. Like, it's just, like, all these cool characters were dying, too. Yeah. That's, like, that just, like, pissed me off. Like, I, I kept, like, liking people, and then they would kill them. And then I was, like, stuck with the white guys. And you're like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, especially because Donald Glover was wildly underused. So these oh, are all negative. Yeah. These are all negative things. But I still <laughs> found it entertaining. And, um... I think it was just, like, kind of stuck in, like, not knowing what tone it wanted to be and not really knowing also where it fit. And the thing I'm curious about, especially talking with you as big fans, like, we, the whole conversation around the movie, when I walked out being like, I enjoyed it, and then it became, wait, what the fuck? I thought Darth Maul was dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who was Kira? And then I started being like, oh, my God, I think Kira is, what's the... Um, Snook. Snook. <laughs> I was like, Kira is Snook. Because the minute Darth Maul appeared, like, I was like, I'm pretty confident I know when the movie's supposed to take place, but that made me think I watched the entire movie wrong. Yeah. And, that, and like, everything changed, and, like, wh- and like I think there's a lot of writing about this online, like, oh, it, it cr- they thought they were doing a fan service, but they actually did a disservice. Yes. Because it p- launched mm. it into the whole universe, and suddenly... I couldn't just enjoy the movie anymore. Yeah. I had to, like, think about the conspiracies. Yeah. And I was, like, watched the last half hour of the movie thinking it took place, like, a hundred years earlier than it did. Yeah. Yeah. I was lucky because Lewis has sort of kept up with the animated series. So when Maul came back on the animated series, you were pumped about it. I, I was, like, pumped about it? Yeah, you were. You, like, showed me the episode and you were like, look who's back! <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think there's a difference. I have a lot of questions about that. I have, I actually have a lot to say about that. But I also, I wanted, I have a few questions for you, and I want to hear your perspective of Dylan on the movie too at some point. But you're, you're coming from a place of not having a lot of um, uh, worship of Han Solo, Chewbacca, or the Millennium Falcon. Yes. I'm wondering if like, did those moments work for you? Because my favorite moments of the movie at the end of the day, were the ones that were like, and this is how Han and Chewie met, and this is how Han got the ship, and this is the Millennium Falcon for the first time. Like, did you like those? Uh, yes and no, but I think because I didn't have that connection, they actually felt somewhat disingenuous. Wow. Because I, they felt quick and yeah. obvious. Yeah. Except the, the Chewie, not so much. Like, the Chewie one, I was like, oh, that's kind of fun, that they're, yeah. like, enemies, and he's gonna kill him. And he's like, the, but the minute they said the monster, I was like, oh, it's Chewie, that's cool. Yeah. The Han Solo thing is, like, such an obvious thing that, like, I was like, oh, whatever. Um, but also, without that experience, I didn't know if what I was being told was new information constantly. Oh, So, yeah. like, I went, the, every time those things happened, I was like, oh, does everyone know that he was alone? Or, like, does everyone know, like, does he always talk about the Kester run in the other movies? Like, it's like, are, are there things happening here that, like, I'm supposed to be excited about that I'm not? Um, well, you know the answer to the Kessel Run thing is yes, right? Right, he talks about it in the movie. Right? Yeah, the that's Kessel like the one of the first thing he says. Yeah, it's right? one of the it's the first thing he says about Falcon. He says it's the ship that made the Kessel Run in less than twelve parsecs. Right, and so like that's fun, you know what I mean? And yeah. like to like really make that about what the movie is makes a lot of sense. I think, I think I think in terms of design, I felt that because I really loved, like that they played true to like the old. CGI, like, the old practical and CGI effects of the original trilogy, like, they didn't update it, right? So, like, the way that they were shooting the Millennium Falcon and had that, like, terrible radar thing in the, in the like, cockpit. Oh, yeah. It, it was mm-hmm. that still. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they, th- those things I found were fun. Yeah. Combined with, like, everything looking super new and, like, 
but more some more really like Lando's look because he was the only one that was like in that like baller you know like retro <laughs> future uh-huh. zone. Mm-hmm. Um, I also though felt like his, um, and this is funny because I guess I don't really know Harrison Ford as solo intimately, but as kind of as a casual fan, I felt like he was like matching his mannerisms and speech pattern like remarkably well. Mm. Like when I he think like that's all he was doing. Though. Like when he shot the like pistol for the first time, I was like, "You're literally holding your body the same way." And I that, thought I think that too. Yeah, and that's like something I pick up on. But like I, that, I found really cool and impressive, and like why I didn't really get bothered too much by his performance because I thought he like embodied the character exactly the same way. Um, okay, Dylan wants to talk. I just think so. <laughs> I said this to Brandon, Brandon and I saw the movie together, and I said this to him, like, while we were waiting for it to start, I was like, I actually don't understand who wants this movie. I mean, I do, I understand that people love Star Wars and it's a Star Wars movie, but, like, to me, at least, like, the thing that is the best thing about Han Solo is Harrison Ford's performance. Yeah. And that's why, like, like, (laughs) we all remember when the first Force Awakens trailer dropped, yeah. And, like, that moment when you, like, see Han and Chewie and he says, Chewie, we're home. Like, that moment, it was, like, that's who that character is. Like, it is Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Which I think is, like... And, like, that's what has been so exciting about the new sequels is that the new trilogy is to see these people, like, pick it up because it's so mm-hmm. tied to their charisma and so tied to their... to, like, their mannerisms. Like, none of them really have a career... Obviously, they're all, like, well, I guess Harrison Ford has a career outside of the Star Wars movies, but, like, they, the first line of their obituary will be these characters. Yeah. Um, and, and it definitely was for Kay Fisher, rest in peace. But, like, I, like, so to me, I'm like, why would I ever want to see anybody try to do that besides Harrison mm-hmm. Ford? Well, yeah, yeah. And so, like, no matter what, it could have been, like, the best trained actor who gave the most moving performance, and it still wouldn't have been Harrison Ford. So, like, to hang a whole movie around that conceit just felt so, like... The only way it would have worked for me is if they approached young Han Solo the same way that they approached Anakin Skywalker in the prequels. He may as well be a different character. This right. is the guy who had who is not cynical about the world yet. This is the guy who fights for good and, like, you know, maybe does have survival instincts, but he trusts everyone and he's hel- he helps everyone. Like, I was totally here for a Han Solo that I don't recognize, where there are moments where I'm like, oh, he does shoot the gun the same way, but he talks completely differently. Yeah, he's totally. a completely different guy. But there are certain things, like, if you got the right actor who was just a good actor, period, mm-hmm. who, who knew how to play a character and bring a, a script to life and bring a world to life, I could imagine a guy who I didn't recognize as Han Solo, but I recognized as a young scoundrel desperate to to fly you know like that's what right. i need i don't need han i need the young guy um and i didn't get and the thing is i didn't truthfully i didn't get either of those because i didn't get the guy who wasn't who was so different from han that he was unrecognizable what i saw was this weird sort of like off mirror reflection of like yeah the line even the lines are like the same and they're even some of the ways that he he like he does nail certain parts of the impression, but it's not good enough to carry a movie for me, or for for him to even be in the movie. It's not even interesting. To me, it's not interesting. Like, like the thing that is, like, I think most, like, makes me most mad about how underused Lando and Donald Glover are, is, like, that character is just, like, so much more interesting to me, yes. too. Yes, yeah, big time. They ruined Lando in this movie a little bit. Right. 
Well, no, I think we have very different opinions of Lando in this movie. You think it's, like, a completely different character, but I think that Donald Glover is doing exactly what you're saying you wanted from Han Solo. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like his own performance that, like, matches Billy D, but also, like, is its own thing. I'm just, like... I, the biggest question that I wanted from this movie, not the biggest question, but the question I had was, like, how does he end up on Cloud City? Oh. And I have no idea how that person ends up on Cloud City. Yeah. There's nothing hinted at. There's no, like, even if he had been yeah. like, I like clouds. Like, that would have been one <laughs> thing. One I bad vision. Like, I could s- sort of start to track it of, like, maybe L3 has inspired him to, like, be a leader for people. So then he's but then they find him back gambling again. You right, like, yeah. and also I just like, I'd forgotten that Lando was the original owner of the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. I thought that was new information. Um, so that threw me for a loop. But yeah, I just wanted it to be like, he's like a guy who cheats at cards. Like, mm-hmm. that's all he is in this movie. Yeah. yeah. But Donald Glover does such a good job of playing. Right, exactly. Which is why it makes why it makes me so sad. It's just so fun, you know, and and that's why you're just like him too. He just leaves, and you're just like, why? There's there's so much more play to be had there. Well, it's, just, it's a classic of like the least interesting person in that movie is Han Solo. Yeah, everybody else is more interesting than him. Yeah. Well, even in even this Kira, in this movie, I think that's true. But I think there was potential for him to still be interesting. Like, I think it's, it's, it's because of the actor. Totally. Yeah. Right, but I think also to what you're, you're pointing out, like, I think there was confusion, and there literally was. They fired someone in the middle of the process as yeah. to, like, what movie they're making. Yeah. And that, you know, this kind of goes back to, you know, uh, it's Kathleen, right? Kennedy? Kathleen Kennedy, yeah. Yeah. Like, it goes back to her doing this with this movie and with, you know... Rogue One. Rogue One and with, like... Colin Trevorrow. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, like, what's going on? It's like, you know what I mean? Like, why can't they seem to hire people and then, like, everyone thinks they're, like, supposed to do something and then clearly their Disney changes their mind? Well, to my mind, there are three movies in this movie that are competing for primacy. There's one that's, like, a straight-up, like, prequel backstory. That's, like, the Chewy stuff and that's, like, the, like, Lando stuff. It's just, like, how do all these people end up in the same place? How do they meet? There's that. Then there's, like, a heist movie that's, like, all the Woody Harrelson, like, yeah. all that stuff. And then there's something that I thought these anthology movies were not supposed to do, which is this larger ramifications Darth Maul stuff. Yeah. Like, I thought these anthologies were not... I, th- I thought they were supposed to stand alone. That was the really thing when Darth Maul showed up. I, like, I was like, I think I heard once that he's in the animated series, so maybe I, like, understand. But I was like, I thought it wasn't... I thought they were supposed to be standalone movies that had no ramifications on the other movies. And so to be, like, to see Darth Maul and to have that ambiguous ending with that character, I was like, oh, there's more? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they are going to do three of these, supposedly. He signed... They signed... He signed a contract for three of them. Ron so Howard? Did oh, Alden. Alden did. So did the Rogue One The rumors are that, like, so did uh, Felicity Jones in Rogue One. Right. But so she like, dies in that. Yeah, but, like, I, like to that's me... that's the point. Is that, like, so what if she signed a contract? Right, everyone did. To me, the contracts, yeah. especially... Even with Felicity Jones, is, like, you know, 
that there's it's a whole world out there right. she could show up in the next solo sequel like right. she's still yeah. alive in the next solo sequel you know like it's not necessarily or they're gonna make a honestly a flashback in yeah right. you know like, the last knows, they're just right. saying they reserve the right nine. to bring her in at the same rate that they negotiated for Rogue One you know but I yes I think exactly what you're saying is kind of where I'm like was caught right it's like these different movies Right. All have different tones, and like, what are we supposed to pay attention to? It's supposed to be just like this crazy heist fun movie. Well, the thing and is, that movie I enjoyed. That was the, then, that was that was the movie I enjoyed. And too. like, so those sequences were really cool. And then, like personally, like the love story business, like I found garbage. Especially at the end, like I felt like I was suddenly watching Game of Thrones because Kira changed alliances like six times in within three minutes, and I'm just like, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that. Um, I hear what you're saying, but ultimately, I was disappointed by the heist storyline too because I have a high bar for my high, high bar for my heist movies. I, I I want them to be heists, and this was just like they walk in, they shoot a lot of people, and then they walk out. Yeah. that's not a heist. And yeah. like that's true. the Kessel Run was the Kessel Run was fun. It's also a little long, and also like the best parts were in the trailers, kind of. Um, but it was it was fun. Sorry, the Kessel Run, the, the Kessel Run being the space, the flying part of it was was fun. After they have the fuel. right, but the heist part was like that's not a heist, and um, even the train uh, uh, job was like barely a heist. It was like let's go in and take this thing, mm-hmm. and like that's not really a heist. I mean, I guess it is, but in this in the movie history of heist, if you're doing a heist movie in 2018, you don't get to start from zero because you're Star Wars and you've never done a heist movie before. Yeah. You're competing with the best heist movies of all time. Right. You know, Especially if you're going to say, this is how the most legendary smuggler got his start. Yeah. Han Solo's got to get up to some right. pretty there was cool no, heists. There was no strategy. Yeah. They literally were like, we're just going to steal something. Right. And, yeah. I, and it's the same way that like people say Rogue One is a war movie, which like... I hear what they're saying, but at the end of the day, it's like the same way that Empire Strikes Back is a war movie. There are soldiers and they shoot yeah. guns at each other. And like, just because more people die in Rogue One doesn't mean that it's more about war than Empire Strikes Back is. I would say that Empire Strikes Back and The Last Jedi is more about sacrifice and leadership and war than Rogue One, I, I think. Um, but, but anyway, um, so the heist stuff did disappoint me, but the Darth Maul thing is like, I, I, I find it truly... Uh, bad, bad decision. Because even before, I had learned before I saw the movie that Darth Maul was going to show up in it because um, I didn't care about spoilers so much for this one and the premiere for this one was like three weeks ago. The spoilers have been out there. So I found it. I was like, oh, that's fun. Um, oh, that's fun that there will be a surprise cameo. I wonder who it is. I was hoping it would be Obi-Wan and it's not. It's Darth Maul. Um, and at the time I was like, that's going to be so confusing for people like you who mm-hmm. don't know that he's alive in the comic or alive in the show and are suddenly going to be confused about the placement, about his relevancy to the story, et cetera, et cetera. But then there was a whole nother degree of this, which is all the Star Wars fans online who I was looking at, like on Reddit and Twitter, uh, who are Star Wars fans enough to see the movies the second they come out, but don't give a shit about the TV shows. Um, say, oh my god, there's Darth Maul's in this, we're getting an Obi-Wan movie next, because yeah. Darth Maul's the sworn enemy of Obi-Wan. But Darth Maul has already been killed in the Rebels TV show. He, he, we already know the end of his story. Him being put in this movie is a tease for nobody. You know, like, mm. it, it just sends everybody off in different directions that mm-hmm. is, does not make the movie better and makes it worse for every group of audience members. Also, this is a small thing. Did he talk in The Phantom Menace? He has one line in The Phantom Menace. He's he, more lines in this movie. When he talked, I was like, that's wrong. Yeah. In my mind, he's completely silent. Yeah. And, the, like, when he articulated thoughts in that way, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> 
It is weird. And it's a completely different actor. No, it's the same actor. It's the same actor. That I looked this up. It's really? the same actor. It's a different voice. It's the yeah, same, it's the same actor? physical actor, but it's like it's CGI meets physical actor. It's the same physical actor, but remember, like it's been fi- that guy was a very fit like like fight choreographer who was playing Maul, right. and now he's like fifteen or eighteen years older. Like it's been a while, he so he looks, looks different. Completely different. It's the same guy though. Even though it's the same makeup, and I guess even though it's the same guy, just his facial structure has changed so significantly that I was like, that's not him. There's also, I think, I might be mis-referencing uh, the show, but I think at some point he was scarred by Palpatine's lightning. Hmm. I think he fights Darth Sidious at some point and is also scarred to some degree. So there's a moment when I, I saw I saw Solo twice when he holds the blade up to his face and it like and shines in his face. It, he looks way more scarred than I think. Well, and he has his bionic legs too, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It was just like so... Ugh. It's just weird, because I'm sure that, like, the vast majority of current Star Wars fans are like, I'm not going to watch that kid's cartoon. Yeah. It's for kids. Yeah. But at the same time, Disney is stuck because they said that the cartoons are canon. Yeah. Well, that's what I was so confused about, because I remember there was a big deal when Disney bought Star Wars that they threw out the EU. Yeah. Which, like, I I hadn't... I've only ever seen the movies. Like, that's Mm -hmm. my only exposure to Star Wars. So, like... When they threw out the EU, in my mind, I was like, oh, that's all those cartoons that I've heard about that I've never watched. Yeah. And all those comic books and all those, like, novelizations. Like, all of that's out the window. And I, like, didn't realize that there was still a cartoon running that was canon. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I did not know that. I thought all of the cartoons had been thrown out. Yeah. That. So I was super confused. Because yeah. I'd heard that Dolph Maul came back in the cartoons, but I was like, but those aren't canon anymore, is what I thought. Right. Yeah, it's confusing. I mean, because the, I mean, it's not, I mean, sorry, it's not confusing. It's, they were very clear about it, but that show was for kids and people didn't watch it. And like, if you, if you were a huge Star Wars fan, you watched it, but that's kind of it. And apparently it's good. And it was the thing, the reason that it, that was the only thing that was not decanonized is because that show was produced by George Lucas. It was at the end of the day, George Lucas's decision on that show to revive Darth Maul. So they, so the, they consider that like, okay, so in the words of the, in the mind of the creator, Darth Maul did not die in episode one. So this is like, even if it feels much more comic booky than any other Star Wars death ever has been, this is from the mouth of George Lucas. So, um, anyway, that's the Darth Maul decision. Is there anything else worth talking about from the solo? I will say Chelsea and I, and I get more disgusted with every t- moment I think about it, but the L3 droid after there was I a lot. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it so much. The fact that the first female droid, first of all, has to look like a woman, like she has to have huge hips and like a boob area even, is bizarre. That's like, even like humanoid droids haven't had to look like supremely masculine before. Like C-3PO has the, a very basic shape of a human. He, he doesn't, like, particularly look manly. Mm-hmm. And the fact that L3 has to look womanly is, I think, insulting. And also that, like, she has to make all these sex jokes and that it's, like, pretty much inferred that she has had sex with Lando at some point. And then also that it's, like, a joke that she's an activist. Yeah. Like, I hate everything about the character. And then she gets killed. And she dies very quickly. I really could not believe that both her and Val were killed. Yeah. Yes. Like, nobody flagged how bad of an idea that was optically. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually kind of shocking to me in the world we live in now. Yeah. 
I mean, it, 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 again, it's like saying Solo or Star Wars doesn't get to start from zero on heist movies. Like we've seen this cowboy thing before. Like let's have Val live and kill Woody Harrelson. Right. Yeah. Like that would have shocked me in a movie theater. That would have been worth. Like she's also fucking great. And like if she had to be the mentor that he trusts, and he winds up trusting her, and then he has to betray her too because right. she betrays him. I mean, well, that would have been awesome. Also, because we should point out, it's the first, and she's spoken about this. She's the first woman of color in the Star Wars universe too. Is that uh, true? Kelly Marie Tran. Oh, yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. She's maybe the first black one. Maybe that's what that, she said. That might be possible. With yeah. dialogue, yeah. yeah. With dialogue. And so, like, to kill her off so cavalierly. Yeah. Especially because one other person had already died in that heist. Yeah. She right, she died after the, like... Well, real. also, yeah. like, by the way, was funny. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he was funnier than L3. He, uh, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, that guy was so good. He, that's it's John cute. Favreau. He was very funny. Yeah. And Tandy Newton was a great character. Like right. she was cool. Really yeah. cool. She yeah, she died after like three minutes in the movie. But like even at least her character got to be cool and not a joke. Yes. L three yes. is a joke. Yeah. Yeah. And like I, that's just not cool. And it's the worst kind of joke because then after she dies, she's given like this like sacred importance of like of this navigational bullshit. Yeah. Like, you never gave her that respect when she was alive. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the fact that, like, she's in the Millennium Falcon and then also, like, Han still takes it from Lando is, right. like, why would you do that? Yeah. Like, you don't have a connection to this ship. If this ship is L3, you don't have a connection. Lando has a connection. Yeah, there's like, a line Lando at the end. Lando maybe was even in love. Yeah. And you took that from him? Like, it's just... No. It's weird. <laughs> and, and, like, and, and there's a line in this movie where... The, the scene where he does win the Falcon from Lando, he says, I just have this feeling like she belongs to me. And yeah. it's like, it worked back when the ship wasn't, like, anthropomorphized. But now yeah. we know there's a character in there that Lando, like, cried when she died. Yeah. It's a little weird. It's weird. It's uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. Um... I was going to say one other thing. Oh, you reminded me because you said uh, woman of color. We haven't talked about Enfys Nest, who I thought actually was cool. Yeah. If placed oddly in the story. Who's this again? The, the teenager pirate. who we thought was their daughter. Oh my God. We I thought, thought it was their daughter. Okay. I, I like, literally was like, there has to be a first version. She looks when exactly this girl was like cast them. because she was cast to be a combination of Tandy Newton and what she looks exactly like. And none of that, but there's like, there's a huge pause when she takes off her yeah, helmet like with a reaction shot from every single person. Yes. And I was like, oh my yeah. God. But then she's just a random person. I think we're just supposed to be surprised she's a teenager. Yeah. We're what? supposed to be surprised she's a teenage girl, which is also bullshit. Right. But it was literally, I was like, she must she be. She must be. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not alone. So, okay, other than that, though, did you not find her interesting? No, because it ties into a larger story, which I didn't think was the point of this movie. Um, I, see, that's what seems, for some reason, that, yes, it does do that, and like I don't know how I feel about it. I'm more interested in, like, oh, this is, like, the very, very beginning of the rebellion. I think that's at least more of a fun here we are in the world tease Mm -hmm. because I think with Han Solo you can't avoid the original trilogy right you can't avoid the Skywalker story because like he is a huge part of it so there's no way to avoid it right Yeah. and I think it's interesting because it sets up down the road how he is like like fights for them and does give them the whatever it's called the gas the (laughs) fuel yeah or yeah whatever that's called Um, MacGuffin yeah 
But then he says, no, I'm not going to fight with you. And, like, us knowing, okay, in the future, he, like, has that same thing where he's like, I'm too cool, but, like, I'm going to help you. Yeah. You know? Like, I think that's at least a fun, character-driven setup, whereas the Darth Maul thing is just, like, everyone's confused. Yeah. You know, as you're saying? Um, but, yeah, I felt like she was supposed to be something. Yeah. You know? And, and like, just from her look and the way, like, that was constructed. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, no, she's just... That's it. She's just a kid. And we we're like... Yeah. But maybe this is because of Last Jedi, and everyone Last Jedi is, like, super young, and, like, they're teasing those, like, really young Jedi kids. Like... Oh. And I think also just in modern pop culture, like, the idea of a teenager doing that is so normal. hmm That, like, it's not at all surprising to me that a teenager would be the re- leader. Yeah. yeah. No. Not at all. I, um... I... The first time I watched it, I was a little bit like, huh? Uh, because it felt like such a weird moment pacing-wise in the plot to introduce this twist and, like, for yeah. it to be not even really kind of a twist. just It was just, like, new story instead of... But the second time I saw it, I was, like, and ready for it to happen. I was way more just, like, interested in her. Like, I was just wanted to... I was like, oh, I want the next movie to be about you, not Boba Fett. I don't care about Boba Fett. I, I'll i see the next thing about you. Um, because she she was also, like, just a good actor. She did a yeah, lot with her yeah, face yeah, in a short yeah, amount of time. Yeah. I think the thing that actually dropped me off the most about her is that her sworn enemy was the cartels with whom I had very little context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, like she did kind of, she did, I do think she's supposed to be, like, the beginning of the rebellion as we know it in the original trilogy, but, like, she doesn't really talk about the Empire, right? She, yeah, it, it felt like a weird, I get what you're saying, it felt like a tacked-on moment where she was like, actually all of these gangs are secretly working for the Empire, and that's why I'm a good guy in taking them down. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. Because, yeah. like, she, her big speech is about Crimson Dawn. Yeah. Which, like, I understand, like, is an evil entity, and it's, like, is ten, and, like, it's teased throughout the movie that they're tangentially related to the Empire, or, like, controlled in some way by the Empire. Yeah. But, like, it is kind of just confusing to me that, like... Right, uh, like yeah, I did find the politics of the world very confusing the entire movie. Yeah, mm. because I also felt like, am I supposed to know what Crimson Dawn is? Like, then I also then the whole time being like, oh, is Crimson Dawn code for the Empire now? Like in the, mm. this early day, mm. but no, we've seen Empire ships, so it's not. Yeah. Like, oh, is Crimson Dawn code for something else? And I was like trying to read into her brand, and I was like trying to be like, and then when Darth Maul showed up, I was like, oh, like. I don't know. There's like so yeah. many things that I thought I guess, were supposed to be other things. Well, because the, in the original trilogy, there are no cartels, right? I think no, there's the, no, there are. The job, yeah. job of the hut is like uh, is still a criminal. It's the gangster on on Tatooine. Well, no, I understand. I got that. I took me a while to get to that. <laughs> I got that right away. But like, but do they use the word cartel? Like, I think that the they idea might. that the, like there are these like massive cartels that span planets. I think well, there might be a throwaway line. Weekends, what there's the Conjure Club. Yeah, but I don't think they use the word cartel. Okay. I, I at least I don't know if they're if they use that word in the original movies, but it is definitely canonized pretty firmly that the Hut cartels are like a big deal mm-hmm. um, and have been for decades. So that wasn't my first time, at least as a fan, hearing the word cartel. Okay. Um, and and I, I don't remember if they say cartel or if Han or Jabba or even Greedo says something about the cartels. And I guess I just understand because like. I also agree that the politics were very confusing, and what I what I was what I was able to understand is that there's the empire that's like ruling the universe as an evil, or ruling the galaxy as like some evil manifestation run by Sith, 
which we are familiar with from all the other movies. But then, because they are mostly passive and uninterested in actually protecting the citizens, there are these cartels, like, multiple cartels that have taken over that, like, actually, like, run things on the ground because, like, they're the ones who actually have boots on the ground. Right? That seems about right. That seems right So to me. one of them is Crimson Dawn, one of them is the Huts. Like, that's a thing. The Huts who appear in Phantom Menace. Yeah. Um... But then, so what I don't understand is, like, conceivably, those cartels are also around for all of the original trilogy. Like, I just, I, I, I guess maybe the next movie in this Han Solo trilogy, God Kill Me, is, like, the death of Crimson Dawn. It's just, like, it feels, like, too big and too entrenched of a thing mm-hmm. for us to have never heard of a reference. Which oh, I know I is how retconning is and happening like, and everything. How, how come the Rebellion isn't fighting the cartels? Right. Yes. And they transition I, to fighting the Empire. Two things. Uh, I hear what you're saying now. I'm sorry it took me a second to get there. Two things. Um, there's a line also where Dryden Voss says, we do this and it'll lead out to an all-out war with the cartels. And the way he said that made me think, oh, they're going to do an all-out war with the cartels. Oh, the they, next one yeah. they, they kill each yeah. other. Oh, yeah. the, the cartels kill each other. Yes. Oh, I remember that line. And, That's possible. And yeah. it, it made me seem like, it reminded me of another franchise where they found a micro plot inside of a, of a macro plot to like play with. And I couldn't... I can't recall it right now, but it, 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 I can't remember. But but that to me sounded like, oh, that's going to be your conflict for the solo trilogy. Like, yeah, like the bad guys kill each other, and then the big bad guys swoop in. Yeah. Oh, oh, uh, The Hobbit. It's like the way that The Hobbit uh, tries to say there's a micro plot, but there's also the macro plot of Sauron. And like right. also Fantastic Beast is going to say, like, yeah. uh, this is all sort of hinting at the rise of Voldemort, but we're only really dealing with Grindelwald right now. Totally. That, move, that line sounded to me like, that's our plot. Um, oh, interesting. A, which is kind of interesting. If this movie was better, I'd be more interested in it. Right. It's not that good, so I don't care very much. The other thing was, um, I, I was totally picturing a universe in which, like, depending on how far from civilization you are, it, the, the scales between control by the empire and the cartels are different. Like, mm-hmm. there's that scene where he says he's dealing with a regional governor, and Dryden Voss is, like, stabbing an imperial governor, right. who, in A New Hope, would end Rogue One were to us given absolute authority. So the idea that this our new villain is like killing an imperial governor as they the, our our heroes walk in to me is establishing the rules are a little different in the Wild West out here. I know? guess that's the other thing is like why do why are the cartels not mentioned in the in Rogue One? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I, yeah. I, yeah. It's just like too and to me. It's too big of a chain and a shift in the politics of the entire galaxy to some unless like. But I don't. I really no handle on the scope of the galaxy either. Yeah. Like, is it like fifteen planets? Is it fifteen hundred planets? Like, yeah. I like have no idea. So like that your last theory about like the balance like totally makes sense. If there's fifteen hundred pa- planets and like some planets barely ever seen Imperial stormtrooper, but it, like makes less sense if there's like a hundred planet. You know, like I just like yeah. The Star Wars has never taught me that, so I really have no. They haven't done. I'm gonna defend them a little bit. They haven't done like numbers of planets, but they have established there's like an outer rim yes, and Tatooine is like untouched by the Empire. Basically, that's what like that's why. They, they see, like, the idea that stormtroopers are walking around the cantina is, like, a very new thing as they're looking for Luke and the droids, you know? That there are yeah, places yeah. that are untouched because Tatooine is run by the huts. It's, it's, they, I think they say that. Or they say that in episode one. They don't say that in the new in the originals. Um, I buy that, that there's these, like, small, kind of boring, like, not rich in resource planets exactly. that are taken over by gangsters. And, yeah. And, like, that's, that's the concept business. also for theme park. Correct. Is it? Oh, it's like a distant. 
like yes. smugglers haven, which is mm-hmm. allowing them to have all these conflicts of and new narratives because it's immersive. Yeah. Because there is no sense of order there. Yeah. Well, and then so then what? What is not? Then I feel like we spend all of our time on the other end. Yes, I think we do. I mean, if if you're doing a movie about smugglers, then you gotta. But then, like, what? So. Then like, but like, so Coruscant, which we never see in the original trilogy, so we don't know how it relates to the Empire at full force. Like, why do we never see Coruscant? Like, is Coruscant is considerably like the opposite of that. Yes, it is like the center. But like, we don't know. Maybe I'm just like asking for something that doesn't exist. But like, what does Coruscant look like at the time that Solo takes place? That's a good question. We haven't seen. They haven't shown that to us. Is that the place that gets blown up in Last Jedi? No, no Hosnian Prime. They they move the capital of the Republic to a planet called, or to a, sec, a collection of planets called Hosnian Prime. But Coruscant has not been depicted in the new ones. Coruscant is the one is in the prequels where all the Jedi's and everything is. They've shown us snippets of it, like in Return of the Jedi, we see the statue toppling uh, on Coruscant. Oh, that's Coruscant. Yes, um, and in Rogue One, we see a flashback to. Um, Oh, what's his name? Galen Erso's uh, time as an Imperial officer. Like, there's a flashback where Jin is having a dream about him hanging out with his Imperial friends, and they're on Coruscant. You can see out the window that they're the skyscrapers of Coruscant. But we haven't had a movie, or maybe we've had comic. Actually, I think we have had books that are about like what was it like to be an Imperial politician in the center of civilization if you like did were not an Imperial. But um, we assume that Tatooine, Hoth. Yeah, out out there. All of this, wherever the Ewoks are. Uh, Endor. Endor. All of his outer whim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Anyway, so that's Solo. <laughs> Two things. Okay, great. Two, in closing. Yeah. Um, I think that um, the look of this movie I found really different. Um, that I'm curious if you agree. I felt it was the most um, recognizable sets we've ever seen and oh. locations. Like, it looked like like industrial America on mm. that island, that the place where they were driving. Corilla, you know? yeah, it looked like they were literally driving through factories on like right? the South Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah, and like even like then when we went to the place where they do the like, there's so much like felt like political commentary of like where they get, where they mine versus then that like this like quote unquote African looking yeah aesthetic mm-hmm. of the place where they do the refinement yeah um, that was like. I was unsure how I felt about because <laughs> it was like clearly referencing like vague culture, <laughs> and yeah. I was like, ah! and like, what, what, what am I supposed to feel about that? Um, and also that literally all those characters are mute. Right. Yeah, you know what I mean. And well, so and we're, assume, uh, and we're assuming she's talking about tongue, by the that, that's, that's them, talking. Okay, right? Great, great. That's assumed, what I assumed. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like, I just found that kind of interesting. Um, I actually wasn't sure really how I even felt about that. I kind of like didn't like it because it felt more just like in the future as opposed to like I'm in Star Wars which is mm-hmm. like this whole another world um similarly but also um I think what's a new kind of point on this what is exciting about these movies like Rogue One and this is their isolation from like the force mm-hmm. and I think Rogue One works better than Solo in this way because Solo like has to have its connections to these people but, like, it's just about the people, like, in the trenches just dying. Mm-hmm. And, like, that I find interesting. And, like, especially, like, that's why I, like, really liked Rogue One. And, like, you say, like, it's not a war movie. But, like, 
it to me it is in the sense of like yes it's not about like, this like major ideas of sacrifice that like last jedi get on in like a very intense deep way i think but it's actually just like no like literally everyone dies in it because mm-hmm. like yeah all these people have to die and you get the freaking amazing last scene with darth vader slaughtering people in a way that like you don't just older movies like wouldn't ever allow us to get, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Just because of the time. Yeah. And we're just, like, seeing just, like, the brute force, like, when we're in the... that, like, trench scene in Solo. It's, like, kind of crazy and cool. And you're just like, yeah, there's this is the slogs yeah. of Oh, and the, and the war when, when he's... Yeah, I like, like that Like, that scene, scene was, like, yeah. really cool. Because, like, that's where I'm, like, this is why it's fun to do random stories. Because, like, we get to see corners of, like, what makes these ep- empires... But and like, and there's no magic to save them. People are just dying. Yeah. And that's super different and connected to like, I think what everyone's saying, what you're saying about like the rules. Like, I don't have to worry about how like I've started to feel like with Last Jedi and other things where like anyone can suddenly be, Luke is actually dead and a lot, you know what I mean? And he's magically there. Like, like that can't happen yeah. in these movies. Um, and then, like, the moment Darth Maul, like, force grabs the saber, like, you get this epic, like, oh, but it's out there. And, like, so I think that is mm. cool. Mm-hmm. But I think what they don't reconcile is the fact that we know that Han can't die. Like, there's something about the movie that, like, it feels like that except for its main character, which I think is another reason why it's so he's so boring, is because yeah. we know where he ends up. Mm-hmm. I think what they yeah. needed to do is... And we talked about this after the movie. I think I needed to know more about Kira. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, yeah, we haven't even I talked love, about Kira, but she drove me crazy. Too. Yeah. I, I was just so frustrated because I think Amelia Clark is really good and I think she's really watchable, but that part is just not. She's just so coherent. opaque. It's so it's opaque. Not you don't know what I've done, and I'm just gonna be like, please tell how, me. Yeah, yeah. that's so much more interesting than yes. anything that's happening in this like, movie. Like, just yes. tell me how many people you've killed. Like, <laughs> or tell like me how really, many times you've been raped. Like, yeah, it's, it's like you're something. so good at fi- like fight combat, and it's like really cool. Yeah, and like you're seemingly down to like do literally anything to stay alive, but like you've been branded. Like, there's a lot of like gritty shit here, and yeah. like, why are you telling me? I yeah, needed her. So much to, more interesting. I totally believe that they were in love in the first part. They were like two kids getting out of the slums together. I love her haircut. Love her haircut. It was so like 1950s cute. Like, I loved it. And then I needed her, I needed there to be a big change where I knew that she had somehow had to become hard. And yeah. Give a monologue. Like something. Or I needed her to like, I needed a scene of like, her in the bathroom, like, putting on her lipstick as armor to go and get mm. Han to fall in love with her again. Yes. You know I, what I mean? Yes. I needed to know that she was conning him the whole time so that when his heart is broken, I know that he will never join the rebellion. He will never trust anyone but Chewie ever again right. until he meets Leia. But I also... Yeah, like, set that up. I, yes. When she, I when she first reappeared, and she was like, so good to see you. I'm like, he yeah. fucking left you. It's yeah. been three years. And you're just going to, like, wave that away? That was the moment where I was like, yeah. something is really wrong with this character. Yeah. That she has no... That she literally, like, it's it was a different time. Like, she has some asinine line yeah. about how it was, it was okay. Cl- I felt like it was clear she was being, like, either Stockholm Syndrome had happened, or she was, like knew she was being watched and was, like, or knew something she, was wrong. Or was lying, but it, like, was yeah. so weird and, like, dense and, yeah. like, so poorly written that it was just, like, yeah. 
I, I, I found her to be so There was so an interview where she was talking about, um, I think she was being very politically correct about the changeover of the directors. I think generally, everybody at Lucasfilm and who worked on this movie is happy that the directors changed. Like, it sounds like the first directors weren't bad, but that it was a chaotic set, mm-hmm. and that they, there was no direction in terms of, like, what kind of thing yeah, are we so going for. they were for. doing all, like, improv. Yeah. That's why they were running over schedule. Yeah. Um, she and was just told to be more film noir. And she was like, that's not a direction. Right. Mm. That's what that scene was. There's a picture. Yeah. Right. If someone told me to be film noir, that's what I would do. I'd be like, well, it was a different time. Right. There, like, there's nothing... Like, that's possible that that scene was improv, which right, is why it's so exactly. bad. Right, exactly. There is, there is a, um, a, a set leak photo. Um, there's all, there are always a few during production, and there's one of... Um, uh, Han, Woody Harrelson, and Amelia Clark standing in the Dryden Voss like party scene, like looks similar to the set that they were standing on before, but it's presumably from the previous iteration of the film. And her costume is completely different. Mm-hmm. She's in a white, like sheer, uh, like dress. It's like a gown. Yeah. yeah, and she looks much more like a. Um, she looks more like a damsel. Yeah. And I, I, she looks like she's from King Kong. You know, she's yes. like fully like oh. Fey Red. Yeah, I, I totally feel like that was the style of the movie that those guys were trying to make. Yes. I think, yeah, Fred, right? They were trying to make it a much more like genre movie. Yeah, I would totally believe that in the first version, she was just supposed to be a damsel, and then when Ron Howard came in, he was like, "Well, at the end of the movie, she's supposed to be the new Dryden Voss. Yeah. So why isn't she being a badass the rest of the movie? But that also doesn't quite fit with the script, and it doesn't quite fit with what the first directors were doing. Like, I think totally yeah. her character is well, such a character. And the flaw was, the pr- the problem is, like, oh, we have this end point here, we have this thing here. It's that you didn't make a story for her. Yeah. There was no room for you to make her better because your story is not about her. Right? You, so, you like, it really, was always doomed to fail. You said something really interesting on the last podcast that I had never really ever thought about before, that, like, Felicity Jones is playing, so weird in yes. Rogue One because she's playing something that's not in the movie anymore. Yeah. That, like, I totally believe Amelia Clark, like, got the same thing. Yeah. Like, that her character changed so many times, and there's so many, like, other fingerprints on it, that, like, she's just, and it's all cut together from, like, five million different places, that yeah. it's just, like, completely incoherent, and it's not at all her fault. Yeah. It's just, like, because I do, I, I, I think she's... I think she like there's something funny about her that, that like I think she's like not a good actress, but mm-hmm. I still really love her. Me too. Like I, I think, yeah. love watching her on Game of so Thrones. She's charismatic. She's just like charismatic, and she has that thing that like, in like Northwestern acting class speak, like she can like really do the Greeks. Like yes. like she can't do Chekhov to save her life, but yes. she can like really do the Greeks. And so like like in Game of Thrones when she cries over those. Those fucking dragons, and you're like, they're literally did like zeros and ones and a tennis ball on a stick, <laughs> yeah. and like you are weeping right right now. Like mm-hmm. that's what she's so good at. So like the, all the like intrigue and like you wouldn't know. It's so boring. Yeah, <laughs> she like can't do it. Yeah, that's Ugh. why. It, but I did believe that she was in love. Yes. So if she was able mm-hmm. to just play that she was in love, and then we get a turn. Right. I would have like been shocked. One turns of seven. Right. right. Yeah. One thing that I did like about this movie a little bit was the music, the use of music. There was a healthy dose of like the fun um, stuff from the original trilogy. Okay, Pause. this is this is the um, musical cue that is all I need. All, all the only good thing I'm going to hold close to my heart out of this movie. Yeah. 
like with a chorus. Yeah. yeah. Doing the Star Wars like. Yeah. Yeah, it's a variation on a theme. Yeah, it's very cool, and I love that it's like the symbols clash, and it's sort of like angelic, but it's not too angelic. There's just something so like the slow heroism of it is like because the other fun callbacks are very like fun action oriented and those get me too but that one is so like it isn't just like Han and Chewie get their trusty seed it's like the Millennium Falcon is a home and like is a place for family and like is a place where like Han and Leia kiss for the first time it's a place where like Rey and Chewie are flying now like the, the Millennium Falcon is more than just the the Han and Chewie's ship you know it is like a symbol of a lot of things for Star Wars so then turning the corner and seeing it with this music made me that was the one moment where I was like oh yeah I love the Millennium Falcon you know what a weird thing is I don't mean to pick this movie apart it doesn't deserve that but something that I did clock that I was like what was when at, at the beginning when he's enlisting in the army and he sees that commercial yeah. and the Imperial March is diegetic music yes. I was like what I liked that moment oh I was like that makes no sense to me I, I was like I, it like I completely took me out. I was like that. I hate that. Oh my god! I like I you was, hated a lot about that empire that recruitment scene because you didn't like them giving him his name. I also was like, are you just like in a different part of the airport? I like could I didn't understand where they were. I, I like I could not track what was happening in that scene. Yeah, and like I like when and how quickly he went from like distraught over the like love of his life being pulled away from him. You can hear that. Can't yeah, you? that's okay. <laughs> How quickly I I thought the whole the, like the geography of that place they were in and like the reality of like where they were going like none of it made any sense to me and yeah. then and then the Imperial March was diegetic and I was like okay we need to move past this part of the movie <laughs> <laughs> okay um I think that's enough solo talk uh, Dylan you said you had a response to our Star Wars rankings. oh yeah I just really like Return of the Jedi but <laughs> here's what I think because I also really like Revenge of the Sith not really like it's a bad movie. I like Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. I think what I like most about Star Wars is when it goes into space opera mode, and like those are the two most like space opera movies. Mm-hmm. And so, like for that reason, I just like really enjoy those movies. I agree. Like Revenge of the Sith really does not hold up. It also is like I had not realized this that like none of the scenes last more than like three seconds. It like cuts so quickly between places that you yeah. just like it's unsettling and it's really bad movie making. But there's just, like, I don't know, there's something about the like the emotional mode of those movies that I really love. I really want you to watch Attack of the Clones again. Because yeah. even after thinking about, uh, or re-listening to our conversation in the context of, like, so many people I know listening to it and telling me their response to it, I was like, what did I say again? And Attack of the Clones, like, another thing I didn't mention about Attack of the Clones is it, ha- is it has that scene where Anakin has the vision of his mother dying and he convinces Padme to go all the way to Tatooine with him. As much as their chemistry was awkward, though, that middle section of the movie where she goes with him to his mother, I find really good and really sweet. And then when he goes and murders the entire camp of Tusken Raiders, I find that also incredibly dramatic on the the level of Revenge of the Sith and actually done much better than anything emotional in Revenge of the Sith. Um, I had forgotten about that scene. I really like that scene. I will also say that, like, Padme dying is trash. Yeah. Um, I completely agree. And I think my thought is that the trash thing about it is it's, like, the laziest. Like, we, like, obviously know that Padme is dead by the time we get to the original series. And it's, like, George Lucas, like, didn't put any more thought into that. He's, like, she's dead. So she's going to die. Yeah. At this point. The same man who two years later was, like, well, 
half of Darth Maul is still alive, so he can get some legs. <laughs> who's like, well, I don't know what to do with her next, so she dies very right. cleanly and openly, and the funeral is very obvious, and her body's in there. Right, She's and dead. also like, like she like why literally there's no. Like, she, she, there's, like, no reason given for her death other than she's, like, very sad. Yes, she died. <laughs> oh, she I mean, don't even. supposed to die of a broken heart. Ugh, it's so gross. Um, uh, yeah, I just like this face opera grandness of Revenge of the Sith and Return of the Jedi. I also like the Ewoks. Yeah. Me too. I love Ewoks. <laughs> um, okay, I think that... Yeah. Is that it for that, Star Wars? Just, I just wanted to... Defend Return of the Jedi. Um, yes, I should see it. We see, see what? Return of the Jedi. You should see all of them, Brandon. Yeah, that's what yeah. we learned here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? I can't believe you will have seen Solo before like your modern memory of Han Solo in the original trilogy. Yeah, because I just remember watching like in computers class in middle school... Our, our teacher would, like, put on Star Wars for some reason. And, like, so that's what I remember. I just, like, like fame, the famous fight scene and, like, the famous I Am Your Father. Like, those are the things that, like... That's so weird. <laughs> so, like, I know I've seen, like, part, you know what I mean? But, like, that's my memory. Wait, what are the st- big story beats of Return of the... Because you mentioned them being three... It's, like, three separate movies. So, so they, the, they're the on first Tatooine. Movie, the first movie is Breaking Han out of the Carbonite. Mm-hmm. Golden Bikini. Golden Bikini. Oh, Mouth of Sarlacc, or whatever that's called. Yeah. The, the Pit of Sarlacc or something. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then they go to Endor with the Ewoks. Or is that the Luke last makes a part? brief diversion to Dagobah, and they go. It's yeah. actually sort of there's a first act, and then a mushy like yeah, there's a mushy end middle. hour, um, and it that is kind of two acts because it winds up being the conflict on the ground with the Ewoks, and then Luke goes off to face Vader. Mm-hmm. Um, they're happening simultaneously, but they may as well be two acts. Yeah, yeah. So there's the Ewok battle, and then there's Luke stuff, and then they have a party. <laughs> And what is, like, Han doing in that movie? Well, he's, this with, is, he's with the Ewoks. This is the other thing, though, and this is... We didn't we didn't dwell on this, and I, I really wanted to. Leia is also underserved in Return of the Jedi, and yeah. Leia has a lot of build-up in 4 true. and 5, and in 6 we learn she's his goddamn sister, yeah. and they do nothing with it, which is, like, thank oh, God... Oh, we don't learn that until 6? Yes. Yeah. And we, like... like I thank God before Rest in Peace Carrie Fisher uh, passed, they had a scene where she got to fulfill the promise of those lines in Return of the Jedi because Return of the Jedi certainly had no intention to. They decided to say, she's Luke's twin. She's the daughter of Darth Vader and she's going to hug Han until they party. You know, like she doesn't do anything in Return of the Jedi. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Um, We recently rewatched the old trilogy and Leia holds up better than I thought she would. Like, I, she's... Oh, she's, she's great. Like, oh, she's great. She Yeah, she's still, like, a, a very individual, personality-driven character. Like, she's got motives. She's, like, integral to the plot. She takes her own action. She's funny. She's got this great romance. Like, she is pretty great. I think it's just a mistake to make them, like, these cosmic twins. Yeah. And it clearly was a late decision. Right, <laughs> yeah. well, because they kiss and... Empire. Empire. (laughs) Yeah. And, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't totally track. But I think they do a really nice job of paying it off in, especially The Last Jedi. Yeah. 
That right. scene between them is beautiful. Luke and Leia? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The idea that they come together as siblings, as yeah. twins, for the first time in the series, yeah. uh, it actually felt like well, they were twins. When do, yes. they, when do they come together again? She, His projection, projection. visits her yeah. on crate and Right, right before, before, he, before goes he goes out, out to, to kill. And it's sad because I'm maybe you're the one who told me this, is that, like, episode 9 was supposed to be her movie. Yeah. Like, yeah. episode 7 was Han, episode 8 was Luke, and episode 9 was supposed to be Leia. So it is very sad. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to do. I, I, I do not envy their position. No. And they know that they can't do any bullshit CGI. They've, they have said, they've said they as much, yeah. Yeah. Revolts in the streets. I think there's going to be a time jump. Oh, really? Yeah. I think... To say that in the opening crawl, like, General Leia has passed, the rebellion was on in... Oh, interesting. Or something like that. Or Poe. Or Poe, or, yeah, someone. You know, oh, this was the other thing that I wanted to (laughs) um, pick a bone about. About the Force Awakens parallels with the New Hope. Yeah. I think actually what, like, makes me the... What, why Force Awakens mimicry of A New Hope annoys me the most is that there's no... And there definitely can be in, like, other media, other movies, other trilogies. There's just, like, no acknowledgement of the fact that, like, they won, like, 30 years ago. Like, it's just, like, suddenly, like, there's another empire and, like, even though, like, the Republic lives, like, it's just, like, it's it's so, like, the conditions are the same and it's, like, no, but the last time we saw these characters, like, they were triumphant, and, like, it just, like, it, it makes me so mad that, like, everything is back to square zero. It's, like... Well, I think it's, I think that's just a trope of a fantasy <coughs> sci-fi genre that, like, evil will always exist. But it just, like, existed in the exact same form as it always has. I, I when, get like, it. When, like, power-wise, yeah. like, they're the Republic, like... They're not the Re- Rebellion anymore. Yeah. Like, they rule the galaxy. Yeah. I, I, I get it. I totally get it. It, it. It's like, I think it's going to feel weirder and weirder as the movies go on and you start having nine movie marathons. But I, I remember, like, in the lead-up to Force Awakens, and I heard they had made the decision, like, hearing the hints of, like, the Battle of Jakku, and there's a First Order, and there's a Resistance. And we saw in the first teaser, there are still Stormtroopers. Yeah. Um... I remember thinking in my gut, like, I think that's the right decision. I, 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 the Star Wars universe thrives on being the little guy in the face of the big enemy. And uh, another movie, if they take one whole movie to show us how the how the, 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 the victory on Endor is subverted by, like, spies who, like, take control again or, like, terrorist organizations that break down the Republic, I, I was so... I'm so happy to... I was so ready to get back into Star Wars that I was happy that they jumped all the political stuff, and I was like, yes, take me right back to a world where stormtroopers run the galaxy. It's been 15 years. I, I, I need it. That's how where I felt at the time, but I bet that you're right that as the, we, time goes on and we look at the stories as one long tapestry, it's going to be weird. Yeah, it just like feels like... It feels like a reset and not a continuation. I think that's like why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other Star Wars things? I want to rewatch, uh, besides having to watch Return of the Jedi, I want to rewatch Last Jedi. I haven't seen it since. It's we coming to Netflix yeah. next We want to rewatch Last Jedi also. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really want to rewatch so it. So good. Okay. Okay. I thought we were going to have time to talk about, like, Marvel and D&D and all this stuff, but as, as, no usu- as usual, I talked for two hours about Star Wars. We've been talking <laughs> for two hours. No, it's an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. We'll talk about D&D. 
later. We'll talk. I will watch more Marvel movies and then we'll talk about. We that. should do D and D with the whole group. I'm curious about everybody's individual perspectives outside of the group dynamic, um, because I don't want you all to have the chance to be like, didn't that guy say? I want everybody to tell me where they're at. Um, but that for some other time. Yeah. And also, I, in regard to the Marvel movies, I'm just more interested in an overall like cultural discussion about like the fact that you've only seen a few, that Dylan doesn't give a shit about them, that Chelsea only seems to like a particular few. Like, I think they're fascinating. So, I, but that's a discussion for a different time. Yeah. Uh, all right. Thanks for the talk. Yeah. Bye. 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 Bye.